Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Thanks, Brooke. Uh, good everyone. I'm Michael, lead pastor here at Salt. It's uh, great to be with you tonight and uh, welcome if you're new with us tonight. It's great to have you uh, along with us. Um, this week, um, starting tomorrow morning, I'm heading down to Jeringong, and it sounds like I'm going on holidays, right? Uh, but it's actually uh, Salt Summit, so uh, exec team, pastors, next gen uh, director, so Andy, Jeff, Fee and myself, uh, getting together for three days uh, to think into Salt, uh, give thanks for the last 12 months, pray for us uh, as a church and think into the next 12 months and even the next five years. Um, so I'd really, uh, we together would really appreciate your prayers. Uh, if you could pray for us as we're praying for you and our growth, uh, it'd be great for you to pray for us. So I'm going to pray now. Uh, so if you pray, bow your heads and we're going to ask God to help us understand this part of the Bible. Our great Heavenly Father, you are the God of life. Uh, you sent Jesus and Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you life to the full. Uh, Father, tonight we want to grab hold of that life. Uh, we want to love you and revere you, obey you. Um, help us to do that. Help us to see you more clearly, uh, to love you more. And Father, we pray for those in our midst who uh, haven't, haven't yet met you, uh, the God of the Bible. Uh, Lord, help them to hear your voice even tonight and to respond, that they might too Receive life that is truly life. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to um, talk to you tonight about influences. Uh, you all know about influences. Um, so be honest with yourself. Who are the people in your life who influence you the most? Uh, who influences you? Who is it that you find hard to resist? Uh, who is it that you go, um, actually, when they say what they say, actually, I find myself saying that. Uh, what they do, I tend to do. I tend to follow them. Uh, who influences you can be a whole range of people, can't it? It can be the person who's out there that you don't even know personally, the sports star or the celebrity or the social media influencer. Or it can be just generally what society says, what culture says uh, is what influences me. Or it can be someone who's actually incredibly close to you. It can be your mum. So it can be a whole range of things. You test whether that's true. Um, here's what they're saying about what is an influencer. An influence is someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of his or her authority knowledge, position or relationship with his or her audience, a following in a distinct niche with whom he or she actively engages. And I'm sure you'd be aware that now th there is a job called influencer. Uh, that's, you don't need to go to uni for it. I'm, I'm sure everyone's keen for this job. Um, it is actually the most desired career path uh, for both children and adults. So that, I was reading these studies this week in America uh, so a study called the Morning Consult Study found that 54% of Americans aged between 13 and 38 uh, would become an influencer 
if they could. Now, does that surprise you? Probably not. Um, another study showed they, they surveyed 3,000 kids uh, in both the US and the UK, and they said, um, if you had the choice between being a teacher, a professional athlete, a musician, an astronaut, or a YouTuber, how many do you reckon chose YouTuber? 30%. Uh, 30% said, I'll take the YouTuber job. How good would that be? Uh, now, here's the, the number one social media influencer in Australia. Does anyone know her? Yep. Kayla. Um, it's Sunis. Uh, now, she's, she's on all the social media platforms. Uh, she shares her at-home life. She shares her gym routines. She's got 15.6 million Instagram followers, which is uh, 15.6 million more followers than I've got. Um, she's got 414,000 YouTube subscribers. She's got 83,000 TikTok followers. Uh, and you can see she's, she's good looking, she's incredibly fit, and you can tell she's a mother of two, yeah? <laughs> because it's all real. <laughs> But isn't it just sometimes just, it's just so perfect, isn't it? Uh, there's her life. She's trying to be as authentic as possible on her videos. Uh, I looked at a few this week. And it looks like you've got the perfect life, or so it would seem. Um, what are influencers trying to do? What do they have in common? Uh, I reckon they're all telling us, here's how you should live. Uh, here's what you should think is important. Here's what you should believe. Uh, here's what you should prioritise. Here's what you should spend your money on. Really, I reckon what they're doing is persuading us on who or what to worship. Who or what to worship. And that's what uh, tonight's passage is all about. It's the battle for who we worship. Now, you might be saying to yourself, um, I'm new to Christian things, I'm not a follower of Jesus, I don't worship anyone. Uh, one of the things uh, that you learn as you read through the Bible, you realise that God, the way God's wired us, we're made to worship someone or something. If it's not the God of the universe, it'll be someone else or something else. Uh, let's explore that tonight. Not a question of if you worship, but who you worship. Uh, the battle for who you worship. So Deuteronomy chapter 13. Um, so flick back to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Uh, we're in uh, this deep part of the Bible in the Old Testament. It's not the part of the Bible that you'd normally go to, perhaps, uh, but it's great that we're working our way through it. Um, so open your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 13. Give you a little bit of context. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, Jeff gave us a great introduction. Here is a series of speeches or sermons or talks uh, by the leader of God's people, uh, God's people called Israel. Uh, Moses is the leader. He's giving these, these talks, these sermons. Uh, God's people have come out of Egypt. They've been rescued by God. They're right on the verge of the promised land, this great blessing that's coming from God, promised by God. And what's Moses' big concern? I want you to stay faithful to God. I'm concerned that you're going to forget God. Uh, I want you to remember the law, how to love God. Um, so I'm going to lay that out for you again. 
And let me give you a little bit of a few snapshots along the way so you get up to speed to chapter 13. Um, Moses has been saying things like this. This is what God says. I am the Lord your God, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 6. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Don't forget this. Uh, It's the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, if you've heard of the Ten Commandments. Uh, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Do not forget this. In other words, you get this real sense uh, up to this point in Deuteronomy. Love, don't forget God, love God with all your heart. Listen to him. Keep his commandments. In fact, they're all connected. Uh, to love God is to keep his commandments, is to obey him, is to listen to him. Uh, you're not loving God if you disobey him. You're not loving God if you don't listen to him. Now, why is Moses stressing these things? Why does he keep repeating these things? Well, it's very simple. He's saying, when you get into the promised land, you will be enticed to follow other gods. He's already given us uh, he already given them the warning in chapter 11, verse 16. Be very careful or you'll be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. In other words, you would be very naive to think that you can walk into the land that is swarming with idols, full of people who worship foreign gods and think that you won't be tempted. You won't be attracted to the other gods and the way that they worship. Uh, All the idolatry that's going on, all the false worship that's going on, you'll need to be incredibly careful. In fact, that's why God says, go in and take that land and destroy those people. In fact, we saw it last week, didn't we? Chapter 12, don't even leave the altars of the foreign gods behind. Smash those altars um, of the foreign gods, completely eradicate the places of worship, You'd have nothing to do with it because true worship of the one true God, the God who rescued you, that is what will bring God honour and that's where true life is to be found. So that's where we get to chapter 13 and even, even as you've done that, chapter 13 says you'll still be tempted to wander. You'll still be tempted by people even from within your own community. That's what chapter 13 is all about. And here are three scenarios where you'll be tempted. Three different kinds of people you'll feel the pressure from to worship foreign gods. Well, that's a really helpful word for us, isn't it? Uh, So what are those three groups? I'm going to focus more on the first one and do the second and third more quickly. But the first group I've called powerful and persuasive influences. Have a look at verse 1, chapter 13. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place and the prophet says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them. See, there is a a very impressive, powerful influencer right there, a prophet uh, or a dreamer. And when they come to you, Moses is saying, 
you're going to feel the very real temptation to abandon uh, the God who's, who rescued you and follow false gods. Because the prophet is the one who comes into their community who says, here's what God says. Here's how to understand your situation from God's perspective. That's an incredibly powerful person. Uh, who were the professional dreamers? Uh, they were not just existent within the life of Israel, but outside in the, in the, in the Near East. Um, here is the dream I've had, and here's what it means for our community. Or here is, uh, let, me, let me grab your dream, and let me tell you what your dream means for you. And so incredibly powerful, persuasive influences. And when one of these guys comes to you and announces a sign or a wonder, that is a spectacular display of the supernatural, a miracle, and that miracle takes place, uh, it's real, it happens. It's not like uh, Moses gives other warnings in Deuteronomy 18 when the prophet foretells something or says something will happen and it doesn't. Now, this is someone who it does come true, it, it does happen, there is a sign or a miracle that accompanies what they're saying, you are going to be impressed. Uh, that's a dangerous person, isn't it? That's a person who comes with authority, that's a person who seems authentic, and you're going to want to sit up and listen to that person. And then they say, let's follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them. Well, who, who would you say are the equivalent today? There's, there's all kinds, of, I've mentioned already, all kinds of influences in our life, if we're honest. Um, and there are also all kinds of gods in our community, aren't there? If you've just got to have the eyes to see, there is the God of greed, and those that would, would move us in that direction. There is the God of materialism, that this life is all there is, that you need to live for only the material, the supernatural doesn't exist, there's no heaven and hell, this life is all there is. There is the God of money, and there are those that will encourage us to worship the God of money, or the God of real estate, or the God of sex, or the God of power, or the God of career, that that is worth giving your life to. Or there is the God that we, we hardly ever notice because it's so part of our culture, the God of pleasure, uh, that that's what life is all about. There's those kind of gods and those kind of people that would push us in that direction or there's the people that seem to be in touch with spiritual things, uh, the fortune tellers, those who claim to be in touch with the dead, who, who have a, a power and a persuasiveness, those who do miracles, uh, who want to say certain things to us. Or even there's those who are closer to home, those who would say that Christ, they're Christian but the God they speak of and the gospel they speak of is not the God of the Bible and is not the gospel of the Bible. Or push a little bit further, the ones who come who have great qualifications, it's the biblical scholar or the professor who seems wise, who has all the qualifications and says, actually, this is what God is like, but it's not the God of the Bible. Or it's the person who comes to you and says... I have a word from God for you. Uh, this is what God says about you. And they actually touch on something that you go, how could you know that? 
you've tapped into something supernatural, there is someone who is powerful, influential. Well, what are we to do? Uh, what does is, what is Moses call Israel to do? Three things. Verse 3, look at it with me. You must not listen to them. It's very simple, isn't it? Don't be taken in by them. Don't be influenced by them. Don't listen to their words. They might look impressive. Uh, don't be captured by the signs and the wonders. Uh, the signs and wonders aren't necessarily an indicator that they know the true and living God. Um, that's always been the case. Um, miracles can happen for a whole lot of reasons, can't they? They can happen by accident. They can happen by the power of evil spirits. They can happen by trickery. They can happen by human magic. They don't prove God is at work in that person or that God is speaking necessarily. Uh, even Moses had this experience, didn't he? When, if you know the story, when Moses, when God's people were in Egypt uh, and God is performing great miracles, great signs and wonders uh, before Pharaoh in Egypt, uh, Pharaoh's magicians, the king of Egypt, pulls out his mag- magicians and they mimic the same miracles that God has been doing in order to deceive people. Uh, Jesus warned us. Jesus said, there will come a time where there'll there'll be false prophets among you. Uh, The Apostle Paul said, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, there'll be people who are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's possible for him to do that. And it's not surprising, he says, then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Don't listen to them. Second thing to do, verse 4 is, hold fast to God. Look at verse 4, secondly, it's the Lord your God you must follow and him you must revere, keep his commands and obey him, serve him and hold fast to him. It's literally... Uh, the words cling to God, cling to your heavenly Father. Do not let go of God at this moment. It's the same word used uh, for the relationship between husband and wife in Genesis chapter 2, right back in when God describes the creation, that beautiful picture, a husband and wife united together in one flesh, um, clinging together as one. Be like that, cling to God, your heavenly Father. Do not let go of him. Uh, here's, here's another helpful image. Uh, the image of a child clinging. Have you seen this picture? Uh, the image of a child clinging to the, to the parent. Uh, the parent finds that a really annoying, but how, <laughs> how beautiful is that? Um, I've spent um, a bit more time in Aldi recently um, since, since Nat was away. I'm doing all the shopping and I like to get through Aldi as quickly as possible. Uh, and you, you come down the aisle and you realise there's, there's two and three and four sets of parents with little kids uh, and they're getting in your way. But how beautiful it is when you see that child grabbing hold of the mum or the dad's leg, wrapping their arms around, their, their legs around, so that when the mum walks, <laughs> the child is walking along with them on their leg it's just that beautiful picture of, of dependence, of love, uh, of security. And, and Moses is saying, do that. Cling to God, love him, listen to him, serve him, revere him, 
Be dependent on him. Don't let go of him. Or thirdly, Moses says this is so important. This is so important that any prophet or dreamer who comes to draw you away from the living God must be put to death. Moses, what's he saying? This is so serious. In fact, this is the ultimate act of treason for the nation. As you, as this person tries to turn you away and influence the whole community, they're actually putting the whole community at risk. The whole nation is in danger of turning from the living God, coming under the judgment of God and dying. This is the picture of the enemy within that you must take really, really seriously. Uh, the mole, the spy, the one who gives, um, you know, works for the opposition but is within your ranks, pretends he's one of you, who gives up the secrets, the strategy and puts a whole nation at risk. You must not tolerate this person. The whole nation will die. Uh, it's that idea that it's not just one person's sin, it's not just a private sin, but that all sin affects the whole community. Uh, that's always the case with sin. It's never private. Uh, and here is this sin affecting the life and the prosperity of the whole nation. And so Moses really, really clear, put this person to death before the whole nation follows after false gods and dies under God's judgment and never gets to experience the blessing and the gifts from God that he promised. Now, don't you recoil at that? As you read this part of the, this part of the Bible, you go, well, is that what it actually says? That is so full on. If this is your first time looking at the Bible, it's your first time at church. Um, this is not every passage, right? But this is a passage and this is from God. And it's worth thinking, why do I find that so hard? Why do I find that so incredibly harsh? Why do I recoil? Part of it is, if you're a follower of Jesus, we're just, you, we, we know that God is the judge, but judgment is coming. Uh, the Lord Jesus will return and he will judge, but that's coming. And in the Old Testament, judgment is right up in your face, isn't it? This person is going to be judged right now. Death is right here, the judgment of God. We're kind of, we're used to being, as Christians, we're used to this period of, of grace and mercy where God says, I'm giving you time to come back. Um, that doesn't exist here, does it? It's now you're going to face the judgment of God. But there's a whole kind of other reasons too. Um, we, I, I suspect we don't really think worshipping other gods is all that bad. God takes it incredibly seriously. Uh, we think it's actually okay to let people explore their own version of God rather than point them to the true and living God. Uh, or we've lost how deeply, deeply offensive it is to a loving God who has rescued his people to turn away to another God. We get that in relationships, we get that in marriage when adultery occurs, but we lose sight of that when it comes to, to God. Um, we like to think of God as loving but not the loving judge. Uh, we lean that way, don't we? Uh, we don't get, we don't remember how holy God is and how much he hates evil. Uh, we've forgotten heaven and hell are real 
and that God went to great extent to send his son Jesus to die so that we might never face hell and might have heaven as a real opportunity for us. But it's also that we live under the we live under a new covenant and aren't you thankful for that? Uh, we don't live in the old covenant. Uh, we're not Old Testament Israel. We're not this geopolitical nation that really is governed by God but by force of arms, by the sword. We live in a new era now because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Now he's poured out his spirit. We live under a new covenant and we're told to deal with false prophets differently but no less seriously differently but no less seriously and we'll get to that but let me ask you this why does God allow this to happen if God is in control why does he expose his people to false prophets to those that would tempt us away to false gods look at the answer it's in verse 3 it says The reason is the Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. See, why does God allow, if you like, double agents within the community? Uh, Well, he's separating the sheep from the goats, if I can use that analogy from Jesus. Uh, Those who are truly his and those who are not his. Those who will hear his voice and recognise error and turn away from it and those who can't recognise God's voice. Uh, It's what Jesus said, wasn't it? My sheep know my voice, they listen to me. Uh, So there is Jesus giving us the picture. He is the chief shepherd, the the good shepherd. Uh, We are the sheep, uh, if we love him. And what does he say in John 10? The gatekeeper opens the gate for Jesus, the good shepherd. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought them out, all all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. That's what actually distinguishes God's people. They know God's voice, they know Jesus' voice. He says they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. But it's also, so it's God separating who is, who is his and who, who isn't but it's also God's way of maturing us as his people. Uh, it's as we come to these junctions, these, is this from God or not, that we will be tested and proven, do you know God? Do you love him? It'll push you back to God's word, won't it? Uh, and to hold fast to him, to draw on him for wisdom and understanding. Uh, It'll keep proving, I think it's that idea of keep proving and testing that you are genuinely one of God's people. Uh, Let me give you the illustration from marriage. Uh, On the wedding day, you go to your friend's wedding and what do you hear? You hear promises, I will be faithful to you for as long as I shall live. Forsaking all others, I commit myself to you for as long as, until death does does it parts us um it's important to remember those vows <laughs> um now it's, it's it's a promise on that one day but it's actually a promise that you are tested on and proven on every day every day you need to turn from others every day you need to forsake um someone else 
for the one that you have promised to. Uh, God is testing you, God is proving, and you're proving your love and your commitment to your spouse as you keep saying no and keep saying yes. You show your love uh, for your spouse. And so it is with God. Well, that's the first area. Let me, let me cover the second one. The second area of pressure, where will it come from? It'll come from those who are closest to you. Uh, your closest relationships, your interpersonal relationships. Look at verse 6. If your very own brother or your son or daughter or the wife you love or your closest friend secretly entices you saying, let us go and worship other gods, gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known, gods of the peoples around you, whether near or far, from one end of the land to the other, do not yield to them or listen to them. Isn't there something really powerful about the influence of someone who is really close to you? So it can be your, your, your closest friend, uh, your lifelong friend, where the friendship is at stake, and there they are trying to attempt to persuade you to think differently about God or persuade you uh, more in the direction of a false god or worshipping someone else. Or a brother or sister that you look up to. We've got a certain weakness, haven't we, for those relationships that are closest to us. Um, And Moses says again, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Don't yield to them when they seek to turn you to worship other gods. Uh, It's what Jesus said when Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple... You need to take up your cross and you need to follow me. You need to even need to deny, you even need to say no to yourself. And Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. What Jesus is talking about, he's, he's not saying you're not to honour and love, you are to honour and love your parents. Uh, he's talking about allegiance, isn't he? that your first allegiance must be to Jesus. And so as we love those who are closest to us, Jesus must come first. And so I reckon um, here's the question for those who are in closest relationship to you, your family members, your friends, your, even your spouse, and, and particularly if you're married to someone who's not a follower of Jesus, here's the question are you able to say no to them? Is that the kind of relationship that you have when they persuade you to seek after false gods? Can you say no to your parents? Um, Some of us find that really, 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 really tricky. Um, Can you say no to your mum? That's where it hits, those who are closest to you. Well, third area of pressure I've called public opinion. Have a look down in verse 12. Uh, if you hear it said about one of the towns the Lord your God is giving you to live in, that troublemakers have arisen among you and have led the people of that town astray, saying, let us go and worship other gods, gods you have not known. So here is a, here is a whole town that has been persuaded to worship foreign gods, to turn from the living God. And can you imagine how powerful that is to Israel? There is a huge threat, isn't it? Because as you look at that town, you go, wow, 
the whole town thinks it's okay to worship a false god. A whole town has turned from the living God and they seem to be doing fine. They're loving life, they're enjoying life. I reckon that's, that's the real pressure of public opinion, isn't it? It's the real pressure of the weight of public opinion, of what our culture says, which is so different to what God is saying, that we're going to keep feeling, isn't it? It's what's politically incorrect versus what's politically correct. Um, you know what it's like, isn't it? When I, I call it the barbecue test. Uh, you go along to the social, wherever it is, the barbecue, the, the bar, wherever you hang out with, with friends, and it's that thing that you know is true, uh, you're absolutely convinced it's true, but you know that if you say it, uh, you know what's going to happen. Uh, you feel the pressure to not say it, to not believe it, to not admit it, even though you know it's true, that here at stake is a loss of friendship, that you'll be cancelled or ridiculed or defriended. Uh, That's the pressure of public opinion, uh, that you'll feel to be uh, come upon you if you're a follower of Jesus. And and for the people of Israel, Moses says, bring... uh, bring the judgment of the death penalty to that, to, to that whole town. But notice what he says, don't jump to conclusions, test what's going on, don't be hasty in bringing judgment. So verse 14, inquire, probe, investigate carefully, and if it's true, they need to be destroyed. And again, uh, lest the whole nation falls under the judgment of God. Uh, and, and notice he says, completely burn the town, all its plunder, don't take the spoils, uh, God knows what you're like. You'll be tempted to go that way so that you gain. No, no. None of the spoils are to be left. But also because God wants to bless you. Do you notice that that's the way that this chapter ends? God wants to bless you. God wants to have mercy on you. God wants to have compassion on you. God wants to bring you into the life that is truly life. Uh, that's where it ends. Because true worship of God brings that life and that blessing from God. And it's a good question to ask, isn't it? Why is it that for, for most of Israel's life from here, they do enter the promised land, but for most of their life from here, even though they know the God of the universe, even though they've been rescued miraculously, they did not receive all the blessings that God wanted to give them. Why is that? It's because they turned to idols. And you could ask the same question about us, couldn't you? Why don't we experience all the blessings God wants to place in our hands? It's because often our hands are holding on to idols. Where does it leave us tonight? Let me, let me give you three things as we finish up. Uh, here's the challenge. Who are the influences in your life? Have a think about that. Be honest about that. Uh, the impact they have, the way you think, that your priorities, what you think is important. Um, which of the many gods in our culture are you drawn to? Uh, Would you be tempted towards, away from the living God, away from your Saviour and Lord Jesus? Uh, Be honest about that, be real about that, understand that. Uh, Can you, here's the second thing, can you say no 
to the closest people to you so you, so you can say yes to your King Jesus? But thirdly, would you recognise a false prophet uh, if you heard them? Uh, do you know and recognise the voice of God? Uh, would you recognise a false gospel if you heard it? Uh, just one last passage for tonight. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. So you need to do a massive flick forward in the Bible to one of the last few books of the Bible, 1 John chapter 4. And there's some really helpful instruction here from the Apostle John on how you might know the voice of God. So 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, it says... Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognise the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Sorry, This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. See, it's the same kind of message, isn't it? Don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits. See whether they are from God. Expect false prophets. They will be there. And how will you know? Well, it's all about the content of what they're saying, isn't it? It's all about what they're saying about Jesus, uh, it's about their belief. Their, it's about doctrine. Test it from the Word of God. Is that what the Bible is saying about Jesus? Test the spirits to see whether they're true, to know the voice of God. But it's even more helpful. Verse 4, uh, You, dear children, are from, God, are from God and have overcome them because the one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, the apostles. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. See what John's saying? Does it accord with what we have taught you, the apostles who have been sent from Jesus? In those two passages, it's saying, does it line up with what the New Testament says? Is it who the Bible says Jesus is? Is it in accord with what the apostles have written for us in the Bible? It's actually pushing us back to the Bible, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's just so crucial to discern, is this what God has once and all revealed in his word, or is this a new teaching? Uh, it's what got the Apostle Paul steaming in Galatians chapter 1. He says, even if, Galatians 1, 8, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Can you imagine that? Even if someone comes with the appearance of an angel, even if it looks incredibly impressive, even if I come preaching a different gospel, Paul says, don't believe it. That is not true. That is, that is a false gospel. And of course, it'll come in all kinds of guises, won't it? Um, some it'll be really clear that it, that's another God. But sometimes, and more subtly, it'll be, 
here is actually your God. Uh, and then you compare it to the Bible, and you go, actually, that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the gospel of the Bible. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, test prophecy. Uh, do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. Expect there'll be counterfeits. Expect that not everything that looks spiritual is actually from God. Um, know that even the devil masquerades as, as, a, as an angel of light. We actually need to be not naive. We need to be discerning. We need to listen very carefully. We need to check everything against the word of God. We need to lean on God. We need to get discernment and wisdom from God to hear the voice of God. Why don't we pray to that end? Gracious Heavenly Father, as before we sing again of your praises and the great thing that, that you have done for us in Jesus by your grace. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you are the God who warns us. Uh, you are the God who wants to protect us as your children. You are the God who wants us to cling to you, to hold fast to you. Uh, Father, please, uh, as you instructed your people in Israel uh, so many centuries ago, uh, Lord, please protect us from temptation. Help us to be wise and discerning. Uh, help us to be critical of our influences. Uh, Father, please help us not to listen when we would be persuaded to be drawn away to follow false gods. Uh, Father, please help us to continue to love you, to obey you, to experience the life that is truly life in you. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.